0: Hey, 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 welcome back to our M Podcast FL. This is your favorite podcaster, Romina. Hope everybody's having an awesome day so far. And today is another Tuesday, guys. So, guess what? We have a new episode. Today is very special. So not only I'm actually helping our speaker promote her awesome book, which I got the pleasure of reading a while back, but it's also my father's birthday. So happy birthday, dad. Um, he is 54 today, guys, but when he will turn 44, he used to say, I turn 4x4. <laughs> so now he's 4x4 4 4 plus 10. He still says that to this day. <laughs> well, before we do jump into today's speaker, you guys, I just want to thank you for tuning in and investing your time. To RM Podcast FL. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a five star and a short review, please, please, and thank you. And if you have not heard previous episodes, go ahead and do so. And also share the best compliment we can get is a referral. So go ahead and share your favorite podcast with your co workers, with friends, or anybody that you think can definitely benefit from the information of the podcast. Well, today's speaker is with Deborah Bolkis. She has over 25 years of experience on business development, sales, marketing, and operations leadership. Her book, it's finally out today. The book is called The Wow Factor Workplace, How to Create a Best Place to Work Culture. Her book is awesome, you guys, because she literally is interviewing professionals of different careers. Sounds familiar? (laughs) Well, she's interviewing actually executives of big companies, Fortune 500 companies, and having a one-on-one conversation to seeing what they do to bring the best version of themselves in the workplace and to help their team, to help the corporate. The book link is going to be attached on the details, so definitely go ahead and give it a read. If you do want to get a hold of Ms. Dab, go ahead at heartfeltleadership.com. She also is a keynote speaker, you guys. Go ahead and connect with her. She is awesome. I got a chance to meet her a couple of times before we actually even had this interview. And guess what? She has also a podcast coming out soon. The podcast is going to be called Heartfelt Leadership. So go ahead and definitely stay tuned for that. I will let you guys know once it gets launched. But without losing any time, let's dive right into today's episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Perfect. So thank you so much guys for tuning in and investing your time to RM Podcast FL. Today's guest is Deb Bulkis. Hi, Ms. Bulkis. How are you today?
1: I am great. Thank you for having me today, Romina.
0: Absolutely, my pleasure. So I'm really excited about this one. I know I met you twice so far. Yeah. And I got to know you a lot more. Um, guys, this is I just want to talk a little bit about the connections that you create through podcasting. We met through a friend of ours, uh, Dr. Harvey Slantz.
1: Absolutely.
0: They're just connections after connections. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I I meet people I never expect to meet, and somebody will hear, oh, you're doing this. Let me introduce you to this person, which I do a lot. I like to connect people because I know somebody's doing this, and that person could help them. And that is exactly how you and I came together. Someone put us together.
0: Absolutely, that is the uh, the benefits of having connections too. And you know, just going out there and introducing yourselves, guys. So don't be shy. <laughs>
1: hey, I can tell you, Romina is not shy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I'll go ahead and pass on the mic to you, uh, Ms. Okay. Deb. If you want to tell us a little bit about to today, kind of give us. A summary of your life a
1: summary of my life well let's see we will start right now (laughs) Uh, I am a leadership development expert Um, some people call me the heartfelt leader guru Uh, I have been running for the last 10 years a leadership development company Mm -hmm. and when we started 10 years ago it was to accelerate advancement for women into senior leadership okay and that came from having spent almost thirty years in Fortune five hundred companies, uh, very big companies like IBM, AT and T. Uh, one you may not have heard of is Aero Electronics. They sell all the electronic gadgetry that goes into technology.
0: I, I've heard of them actually because I did a research paper one time okay. talking about their stock market, which ah. is really good.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so I was in technology for a very long time and people would talk about those companies as being very male dominated environments. Uh, Back up even further, I started working when I was 12 years old. I worked for my father and my, of course I was at school, but during the summers and on weekends my dad ran his own company, he had about 200 people that worked for him and it was all men and two secretaries that worked in the office and so. At age 12, he would take me down to the office on the weekends in the summer to make sure I had something to do and he taught me accounting. Mm -hmm. So I would do all the record keeping for timekeeping for the guys that worked out in the field. And uh, yeah, I I grew up working in then a male-dominated environment and actually I really love working with men, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) truly. Um, And then when I went to uh, college, I started out as a math computer science major. I ended up as a business major, and I also have a, a Master's of Business Administration from the University of Rhode Island. I got that a very long time ago. Uh, I ended up going to work for what was Pacific Bell Telephone Company, part of AT&T. Worked there for, quite, for five years. I was uh, asked to join IBM, mm-hmm. so I worked for IBM for quite some time. It was a wonderful place to work both at AT&T and IBM I got a lot of leadership training. So I was on one of those fast-track programs that back then yeah. uh, they had for young people and in particularly women. They were looking to get women into more senior positions and so I had the advantage of a lot of a lot of fantastic training which gave me a lot of insights. And uh, I ended up going from working as a assistant technician which was more of a technical position and then I went into sales I was in sales for some time and then um, selling technology. And then I went into professional services. So I ran organizations where we had programmers and project managers and things like that. That we worked on very, very large, very complex projects, uh, creating systems and solutions that didn't really exist anywhere else. So it was it was a lot of fun and I ended up working in the beginning on little tiny projects and at the end I ended up working on big global projects and running people uh, running organizations where people that reported to me were all over the world.
0: So you can definitely say you have a lot of energy on you.
1: Yes and a lot of people have said you're like the energy the, the that little bunny that goes yeah.
0: around <laughs> the energizer bunny. <laughs> Is um, that how you always kept up with all the projects and always trying to improve yourself? Is it just like an energy ball in you that it just like wants more and more and you just cannot stay steady one place, you just always <laughs> want to learn more, like, because yeah, that's if you ask my husband
1: that, he would definitely say that. She can't sit still. <laughs> I am,
0: yes, I am definitely, I've
1: always been known as a high-energy person. Uh, I'm also kind of a cheerleader for people, uh, for projects, for things. I get behind causes and I make things happen. In fact, I had a gal who was doing my marketing for me when I started my business, and she said, you know, you really should have a tagline that says, you make big things happen fast because that's what I do. I'll come up with an idea, here's something that the company's not doing, we need to be doing this, Yeah. put together a plan, go out and sell whoever it is on we need to do this and here's how much money I need and here's the kind of position I need to have and this is what we'll do for you and this is what we'll create. And I am one, I love to master things that other people say are impossible.
0: Hmm. Prove them wrong.
1: Yeah, give me an impossible project. Now I won't take things on that I know are truly impossible and yeah. can't be done, but as long as I can, yeah, give me a really challenging project and the, the things that nobody else wants to lead. Yeah. Uh, if I can figure out a way, and then I'll let you know all the things that I think, You know, these are all the things we need to watch out for, these are the things that could happen, and if they do, how are we gonna tackle it so yeah. we can get all of the roadblocks out of the way? But um, yes, I love having a lot of things to do, I have a lot of energy, and challenges actually give me energy.
0: That's what I was about to say. Cause I'm the same. Like if I see a challenge, I get hypered up. Mm-hmm. Cause in my head, I can kind of see like the result and just be like, "Can't believe you just made this happen!" And like have this pride that I cannot let my pride go low. Like I have to accomplish this because I want to get that. Can't believe this. You made this happen, moment. Yeah. Do you Do you get fueled the same way?
1: Oh, absolutely. And you know what's interesting? Once you have kids, like, yeah. I I have two kids who are grown up now. Are kind of your age. <laughs> But uh, my oldest one, he, when he was a little guy, you know, I would watch him and oh my goodness, it's yourself. You are seeing yourself in this person where he just had to master something and he would take on something really hard and you're thinking, you're six years old. You can't do that. Well, I didn't tell him that, but he would keep doing it, keep trying, keep trying until he had perfected it. But here's the rub. Once he would perfect something, he was off to the next challenge. Which, you know, I suppose I'm that way too. Um, It's good when you're in a technology field where you have to continually reinvent yourself because, as you know, technology changes so quickly. So you do need to be able to master things really quickly and then move on to the next thing. And and that next thing is another challenge that gives you more energy, and there you go.
0: So let's talk about moving on to the next thing, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, Your book, which... Today is December 10th, it's getting published, I'm yes. super excited. Yeah, me too. I was uh, lucky enough to actually read your book, uh, which consults of interviews, mm-hmm. and you do put a lot of great information out there. Thank you. Um, I do I do have the question of how is it from jumping from one project to the other when you feel stagnant mm. in a workplace, mm-hmm. but before we jump to that question, I want you to tell us a little bit about your book.
1: Okay. So the book actually, the the book is titled The Wow Factor Workplace, How to Create a Best Place to Work Culture. And it's actually turned into two books. It is the first of two, which started out as one book. (laughs) And that one book was supposed to be titled Heartfelt Leadership. So you wonder, how do you start with heartfelt leadership and get into something that's about a best place to work? Yeah. Well, let's roll this back a little bit. I was, uh, as I, I mentioned earlier, I had established a leadership development company to accelerate advancement for women. And I wanted to have a philosophical foundation for these really intelligent, bright women that would come into the program. Inevitably, their senior leadership had identified them as this gal is so bright and she's got so much potential, but for whatever reason, She's not doing what we think she needs to do to get promoted and get to the next level. So can you help her see whatever it is? We don't even know what it is. We can't yeah. tell you what it is, but if you can get that out of her and help her get to the next level. So we had uh, programs for women at different steps on the management career ladder. Okay. So we had people who were just professionals, not even managers. We had programs for first line, second line, and all the way up to senior leaders. But I wanted to have a common philosophy that everyone who came into that program would come in knowing this is what I believe constitutes a great leader. And a great leader to me is someone who inspires others. That you're not telling people what to do, you, you, you let them know what the mission is, this is the vision, this is where we're trying to get, but get you excited so you, you know you've got your own personal ambitions, you've got visions for where you want to go in your life, how can I help you as an individual achieve the visions that you have for yourself and at the same time align what you love to do with what we need to have done in this organization and get those get you and I and the company all marching in the same direction. So kind of
0: parallel goals at the same time, align your goals, professionally Absolutely. and personally.
1: Absolutely. And when you can do that, magic happens and that's how you make big things happen fast because now all of a sudden everybody is excited about being on this project and you are personally getting something out of it that you have always wanted to do and now you're getting to do that. So I wanted to have a book that mm-hmm. as women came into this program and eventually there were men in the program too but when we first started out with women. It was things that they could sit down and read this book and see my philosophy and know where we were headed. So as we worked on every week or every month, we would go through various issues and challenges that they had. Um, They knew that I was always going to kind of come at it from a certain way and Mm -hmm. help them learn how to really step into their best self and how they could then inspire other people and help those around them step into their best self. And so that's what drove me to start to write this book. And, you know, I think it was one of those cases where I've always had a lot of self-confidence, but there's always that point where you're thinking, I'm not sure I'm good enough. Yep. I'm not sure people will really believe me. You know, people who have worked with me, they all know me. I'm well-known in my own little circle, but I'm not well-known in the world.
0: And it's scary to put yourself out there. It is scary
1: life. to put yourself out there. And so for me, I wanted to go out and find leaders who other people thought, this is the greatest leader I have ever worked with. I would never want to work for anyone else because I love this person mm-hmm. and they make great things happen. And so I, I searched out, and I, I, you put it out there in the universe and say, hey, I'm looking for these kind of leaders. I would like to interview them. Mm-hmm. So just like you do, you go out and you interview people who you find are amazing. So whenever I would find these people that people would tell me, I love where I work and I love my boss and I feel so lucky, I would never want to work anywhere else. Inevitably, those were the people that have, and I ended up writing a book telling my own philosophy and then as I would, in each chapter, we, we talk about a different aspect of leadership, and then I would use part of the interview dialogue um, that I had with each of these leaders, and all of the leaders that we have in the book are all um, award-winning, place to work companies. These companies are at the top of their industries. Now, I didn't set out to find companies at the top of their industries, because a lot of times you're going to find a company that's you know, this year they're at the top of their industry and it's all command and control. You're gonna do this and they're they're killing everybody in the process. And
0: then the next year it's uh, yeah. not so good to work. Yeah, yet. they're good and
1: then they're not. Yeah. Um, but you'll and you'll find that employees turn over a lot in those companies. I, I wanted to find those places where people just loved it and they never wanted to leave. And yeah. oh by the way, the company never wants you to go anywhere either because this is a marriage made in heaven. And so I was looking for those kind of companies. And inevitably, when I found people that raved about their company or their boss, it was a best place to work company. And their boss had almost identical philosophy to mine. And so when I can then, I tell, then I was much more comfortable yeah. telling my own story and then shoring it up saying, let's look at the, the, the president of Southwest Airlines, let's look at the president of Starbucks coffee, let's look at uh, companies that everybody's heard of, or in some cases, you know, only certain industries are aware of these people. But I found it made such an interesting story that when you you try to identify what's common, what is common about all of these individuals that I interviewed, they come from all walks of life. There's not one particular background mm-hmm. There's not one, you know, they're all wealthy or they all had wealthy parents or they all went to college or they all had an MBA. None of that is similar, um, it's just that somewhere along the line, they determined they wanted to be that kind of a leader. And when they do lead that way, the result is the same. It's always stellar and people love working there. So. Interviewing these people gave me the energy mm-hmm. to turn these, this into a book which turned out to be way too big for <laughs> one book. <laughs> I had it done. I went to a, a conference for, for writers to help you if you had never written a book before, what do you have to do and how do you turn it into a book. And so I took my manuscript, it was this big, thick manuscript, I took it to the conference and the gal that ran the conference looked at it and uh, she said, whoa, that's, that's quite a book. Who's your target audience? And so I told her my target audience is millennials, people who are aspiring to senior leadership but you know maybe just don't quite know how to get yeah. there or they think there's a better way to lead but I'm not seeing it. Um, I wanted to give them that roadmap, and it's, so it's predominantly millennials that I'm I'm going after. But she said, "Oh, if we're going after those people, or if you're going after people who are in mid-level management, for example, it's got to be a whole lot shorter. <laughs> yes. So you either need to cut out half of the information, or you need to turn it into at least two books.
0: Yeah, because millennials they do lose the um, the focus really quick. They yeah, yeah. Short and simple.
1: Yeah. So you know, there was just too much really valuable information to throw it away. I I pretty much netted a lot of it down to just net net, but there was just so much valuable information that over time, you really need to know the whole story. So (laughs) we turned it into two books. And so what started out as Heartfelt Leadership, Heartfelt Leadership is a book that comes out second. So we start out talking about great places to work with the Wow Factor Workplace. And then in the second book, we talk more about how do you lead that kind of an organization and it's by being a heartfelt leader and it, that, it doesn't mean wearing your heart on your sleeve and just being emotional because that's not it at all but it's how do you connect with people and they feel in their heart that you care about them. That's heartfelt leadership. So two books, two books, first one's coming out uh, in today, today. Uh, December 10th, <laughs> I've been waiting for this for so long I can't believe it's already here. And then the uh, second book will come out in the spring, so, so watch for I definitely that want to
0: read the second book because I did like the first book and I like how the interviews were very genuine and they were actually being like, you can tell that these leaders that you're interviewing, they're just giving a very sincere answer compared to like a polished answer of what people would like to hear, but they were just speaking from the truth.
1: It's amazing how open, how genuine these people are they just, they just put themselves out there. And you hear about authentic leaders. These are authentic people. You're, you're hearing the real deal. Yeah. And you and I were chatting a little bit earlier before we started the podcast, that for some of them, as you, as you ask these questions, they're telling you things that in some cases they've never told anybody before. Oh, well, they
0: thought of it, but never said it out loud.
1: Right. I mean, and that, you'll even see that in the book. Oh, my gosh, I never even thought about that before.
0: Yes. Or they'll say, I, you know, I've... T- it was Teresa, the first one. Yeah. She said, I, I, it actually makes sense right now. She's yeah. She's like, why, why this happened?
1: Or Donald Stamets. He was with uh, Omni Hotels at, at the time that I, I interviewed him. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm a service-oriented guy. I love being in service. And, and, like, and then he started talking about his mom. And his mom was really sick when he was growing up. And he's like, oh, that's, that's what That's, that's what where it, is. it came from. I yeah. never even thought about it until now. Because I love to make her feel better. So when you hear this, you are gonna be astounded because you're gonna be talking or reading about CEOs of companies whose products you use all the time. Yep. And then to hear deep down inside and and what made them the way they are and and what their background is, it's it's really intriguing and I I learned so much and I'm so excited to be able to share what I got to hear with the rest of the world.
0: (laughs) So you kind of start the book with a phenomenal experience you had at Barn Steakhouse. And I loved how you kind of broke it down because uh, food and beverage is an industry that everybody meets a server at some point and coming from somebody that worked food and beverage before, I think everybody in their life should work as a server, at least like server and sales. Those are two jobs that I think everybody should do at mm-hmm. least for a month or two. So that's why they can meet their customer experience and that face-to-face and communication to a whole different level. Yep. Um, can you tell us why did you find this service, this place so fascinating, that you decided to put it in the intro of the book and kind of explain the philosophy of the wow factor in the workplace?
1: Thank you, that's a great question. So. Burns Steakhouse, I have, I hate to say this, I've only been there one time, but it's because I don't live where they are. I was traveling. In Tampa, right. They were in Tampa, Florida. And so my husband and I were taking a little trip and um, my folks, actually my folks had been there on a number of occasions and raved about this restaurant. I had just never been there before myself. And so interestingly, as as I say in the book, I, I Googled. As we were going to try to figure out where we were going to stay and where we were going to go to dinner, uh, I Googled uh, best hotel in Tampa, Yeah. and it came up with the name of the Epicurean Hotel. And then I wanted, okay, what's the best restaurant in Tampa? Well, it didn't actually say Burns Steakhouse, but it said the Harry Wa Dessert Dining Room. Okay. Well, Harry Wad Dessert Dining Room is a part of Byrne's Steakhouse. It happens to be upstairs, and when you have this wonderful steak dinner, afterwards, if you want dessert, and if you want the best dessert you've ever had in your life, you're gonna go upstairs in Burn Steakhouse to their Harry Wad dining room. So it is in okay. the same building. It's the same company.
0: Next time I'm in Tampa, I have to try this. You,
1: well, yes, and in fact, everybody who has previewed this book and has read it said, "I cannot. I, I am, I am buying my ticket to Tampa because I have got to go to Burn Steakhouse and I'm going to the Harry Wad dining room and I'm staying at the Epicurean Hotel."
0: Just when you come to Florida, stay away
1: from September.
0: <laughs> September is time. <laughs>
1: But anyway, that's, um, I had high expectations going into it because I Googled best place to eat, best place to stay. And then my folks had said, oh, you have to eat there. Well, what do you know, it's the same place. So, so we get there and I, um, we walked in the door and I was intrigued. It was just, you walk into another world very opulent. It's almost like old world European, you know, very opulent place. Okay. You, you, could, you could just imagine royalty coming in here and you feel like royalty when you come in. They are treating you like you're royalty. And then they, it's a big place and they, but it's made up of a lot of small dining rooms. And so they walked us through past all, like I'm in somebody's big castle, you know, and you're going past all of these yeah, rooms.
0: all the rooms and
1: yeah uh, yeah it was truly like that and then we get to our dining room which was the bordeaux room and i truly felt i've been to bordeaux i've been to france on a number of occasions and i I felt like i had gone there and the the whole wall was covered with a map of the bordeaux wine region and uh, the the service was incredible they have it down to an art where in my opinion great services when you want something they realize you're gonna want it before you even think about it. They're not in your face, but when you want something or need it, they're magically there, it magically happens, and then poof, they're magically gone. So they, they set this expectation in you, and then I don't wanna oversell it because I don't want people to, to then go there and, well, this isn't what I imagined. But yeah. when you read about it, you will find it was just such an extraordinary experience. not only was the food terrific, and the food was a great value, Mm -hmm. um, but it could have been at any price point, it could have been 10 times I shouldn't say that because maybe they'll raise their prices 10 times what they are but I'm sure they know because they've been around for 50 years or more but it was well worth you would have paid more to get what you got and the people work there when they are talking to you you feel like you are the only person in the place their full attention is on you they have they have mastered how to put things together and how to present it to you so you just you feel like a very important person and you feel like you are having an experience of your life when you are there and when I am having an experience like that, I like to interview people just like you're interviewing me now to find out, how did, how did you get here? How long have you yeah. worked here? And the interesting thing is I found out that they didn't hire people there for their background and their experience. They didn't hire people who had worked at another restaurant down the street or started at McDonald's and worked their way up the top. They hired people for their attitude. And in every case throughout the book, as we interview people, as you you probably found when you read it, almost all of those companies that are best places to work hire people for their attitude, not for their experience. Now, there are certain things you have to know. Maybe If you want to be an airline pilot, you better have a pilot's license. Well, of course. Um, But aside from that, it's their attitude and their willingness to learn and their willingness to learn from the bottom up and to understand what their role is relative to everybody else. And when you start from the bottom up and you know all of the jobs in the place, you're better able to help each other because you know what they're trying to accomplish, you know what you're trying to accomplish, and you help each other. You work as a team, as a very well-oiled team. And one of the really cool things is when you go to Burns Steakhouse for the first time, if you let them know, and it's usually obvious to them that you haven't ever been there before because you'll be wowed and you'll be asking all these kind of the same kind of questions I ask them. Uh, they'll say, hey, do you want to do a tour? Do you want to see our kitchen? How often do you get to go to a restaurant and they say, hey, do you want to see the, the kitchen? you want to see how we operate back there?
0: No, not very Do you want often. to see our wine
1: cellar where we keep our 60,000 bottles of wine? So they took us on a tour. They t- we, we got to see how they do everything, but the, the really incredible part was when you start talking to people, they ha- the people who are the older ones, they've worked there for 45 years. The younger ones have worked there for 20 years or, or maybe only two years because they're just starting their first job, but they started most of them at the bottom and work their way up and don't ever want to work anywhere else and they are so proud of every time they get promoted and I highly recommend everybody go there because you will you will feel this and it's exciting and I was concerned that when I talk about the title The Wow Factor Workplace Creating a Best Place to Work Culture over the last 10 to 15 years I have found so many people that have that don't love their job and have never worked anywhere that they loved they have never worked anywhere they were excited about they've never worked anywhere that they're proud of and they're really looking for their next job so how can you help somebody create a best place to work environment if they don't even know what is a best place to work so Burns was such a relatable environment that when you as a customer go in and you, you go in and you're just saying, wow, every five minutes. Wow, wow. Think about all the places you've ever been in your life. Probably not too many, but there might have been a few. Maybe Disney World. They're another wow place to work. The, yeah. I, I worked there when I was in high school. You'll read about that in book number two in Heartfelt Leadership. Um, but when you're wowed, that's where you've got a great place to work. You're only wowed as a customer because the employees that work there are wowed to be there. And they pass that off to you. They let you see that. Their their enthusiasm is infectious.
0: So So. I have a question. Because you mentioned that whenever you were there, they made it feel like you were the only customer, Mm. like you were the most important thing on their business right now. How do you keep that attitude? How do employees or leaders teach employees to keep that attitude whenever you're running in such a high competitive market? Especially if you work in sales or if you work in calling centers that you need to move fast, fast, fast for the next lead, for the next lead. Like, how, do you, how do you do that? To keep the wow, play, like the wow factor and also um, get the job done in a high competitive market. Well, that's
1: a really great question. And I can honestly tell you there is no one right way to do it, which is part of the reason I also wrote the book because I wanted to show folks you can have a wow factor workplace anywhere, Mm -hmm. in any industry, in any part of the country, in any part of the world. And I wanted to also show that the leaders that do this, while they have one really strong characteristic in common and that is the people that work with them love them and wouldn't want to ever work anywhere else because they want to continue working with them. Yeah. But how they do it and the processes that they go through can be quite varied. I mean we're, we're in one case we're talking to uh, Special Forces operations, you know, where they're living in life and death situations every day. And on the other end of the spectrum, I'm, I'm in a restaurant yeah, or at Starbucks. Those are quite different. Um, so there's not one right answer all the time. But the biggest answer is that connection between individuals and letting everybody know I really care about you. Because when when people know you care about them, they want to pay that back to you. And you don't do it selfishly. Like, I'm gonna be nice to you and I'm gonna pretend like I care about you. So, you know, you'll be nice and you'll do what I want you to do. It's, you've gotta be authentic. And, and at the end of the day, I love this, in, you find something to love about everybody. And you find if, I think the one thing that is in common is great leaders want to help those around them be the best they can be. And I want to be the best I can be. And I know you're gonna ask me a question later about what success means to me. But one of the things I tell myself and Mm -hmm. everybody that's been in my program is you always have to think of yourself as a role model. Every minute of the day, everything that you do, if you don't know how to go about something, what would your role model do? Mm. That person that you look up to and you want to be like them what do they do? What would they do? How would they handle this? Okay, so think about that and now put yourself in that position and do that.
0: See, what I think, if I have to make a tough decision, or if I'm on like a moment that I'm like my, like, my decision on my action right now is going to take me long term, what I do is that I think, who is the person that I want to make proud of my life? Think of them as being right behind me. And think of them. Would they be proud of what I'm doing right now? Mm -hmm. Like that's one thing that my parents have stamped on my brain, and I don't have like no fear from them. They're my best friends. Yeah. But that's what kept me for the longest time. Try to think ahead of time of the consequences of my actions. When it comes to leadership, you definitely want to help out, and be a good role model, and think of how would X, Y, or Z, or the way I say it. A fact to x y or z employee good or bad if it's bad just bite your tongue sometimes it's bad enough to say something and try to find like i find critical conversations are very hard to have sometimes um i know on a portion of the book too it was an expression said from one of the people um in order to move forward to further the mission you must clean the house mm-hmm if you want to be such a great leader, how do you how do you have that conversation too though?
1: So those to me, those are really fun conversations to have. Really? I mean, a lot of a lot of people are scared of them. Yes, they call them crucial conversations or difficult conversations. I actually got to a point in my career where I found if someone wasn't working out. Okay. Okay, they're just not excelling in their job. People don't like being around them. They're obviously not happy. They are not happy. Now, it could be that there's something at home that's going on that, mm-hmm. that's not working with them. So I always try to, to know my people, mm-hmm. whoever's on my team. And you can't, depending on the size of the organization you're running, you may not know everybody. But um, for those that you, you pretty much have, you know, first or second line communication with on a somewhat regular basis, try to get to know them. Um, but inevitably, if I had a, a challenging employee, if I asked them, "How are you doing mm-hmm. do you, you know, we 're behind closed doors. This is off the record. I, mean, I would literally say that. If you could have any job do anything in the world as for your career, what would it be mm-hmm You know, just take the conversation off of what you're doing here and right now. But what would that be? Paint the picture. Paint that picture to me. Let me see what it is. And, in fact, that's what we do with with the gals that are in our leadership development program. You know, if you're not happy, if if you're not really producing, why is it you're not happy? Because there's something you really want to be doing. It's not this. Yeah. So if you can tap into what that thing is, if they can tell you, you know, gosh, I always wanted to be a police officer or I always wanted to do whatever it was, an aha moment. I don't have to sit there and go, you know, you're doing a really crappy job and you better straighten up and fly right. I can't keep you here. I would have conversations that we could envision. What is wow to them? Yeah. And if I could figure out how can I, how can I give them that? How can I put them in a situation, in a position right here in this, in this team where they could do that? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we can, we can craft a whole new position we'll just give you a new title, we'll give you a new mission, maybe I'll give you some of what John over here is doing and I'll take some stuff from Mary and we'll cobble that together in a job for you and, you know, they'd rather be doing something else too, so we'll we'll restructure it. Um, sometimes I could make those changes right in my own organization, sometimes I could say, you know what, I, I wish I could help you, I can't do it here, but I know over in this other department, they could really use somebody with that skill. Let me, talk to them and maybe I can set up an informational interview yeah. for you because maybe there's a really great thing for you over there or maybe informational it's
0: informational interview
1: Informational interview; those are the most valuable things you will ever have in your life not looking for a job not asking for a job but just learning what's it like over here
0: people don't tend to do that
1: though. Oh that is so valuable
0: and it's one of the things now I... they just yeah. Google search what it's like try to read the reviews they don't I never even heard the term informational interview.
1: Yeah. I have learned so much myself from informational interviews, especially if you're thinking, I'm not sure I really want to work in this industry anymore. Yeah. Somehow I got here and I've spent the last 10 or 15 years here, but eh, I can't imagine spending another 10 or 15 years doing or this. Or a day. Or a day, and I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go do something else. And if, if you decide, I want to go do something else, and now all of a sudden you're looking for a job and you're, you're desperate because you just want out. Well, nobody wants to talk to a desperate individual. Yeah. But I found if I wanted to learn about, gosh, you know, if I think about it, maybe over in industry A, B, C, over there, it looks intriguing. I don't know anything about it. Um, I'll tell you, I use LinkedIn as mm-hmm. a tool to find out, do I know anybody? I'll try to find out who are their senior executives over there. And even if you're a really young person, junior, look to see who is running an organization that I think would be interesting to learn more about. Yep. And then I try to get somebody who knows somebody over there who could introduce me and just let them, and they can introduce me and say good things about me and why that person should talk to me just because I want to pick their brain and I wanna learn a little bit about the industry. Yep. It is amazing what doors will open to you and then you can just do like, you're asking me. You're just asking me questions. You're not asking for a job. You're not selling yourself. You're just saying, I've really, You know, i heard your company is top in this industry. What makes you the top in your industry? Who's your biggest competitor? Why are they your biggest competitor? Yeah. What is it that they do that's different? And then maybe you can even say, you know, I've got this and this and this skill. I don't know if it fits over here. Could you see? Are there dogs over here that would take advantage of the kinds of things I think I'm really good at. It is amazing. Those people want to help people that ask those kind of questions and they will start opening doors. And in fact, I've had them walk me down a hallway. Not that I've changed jobs or corporations all that often in my life, but when I have done that, they'll walk you down the hall and say, you've got to meet this and this and this vice president. Let me introduce you to them. And then the world opens up to you and all of a sudden you're doing a job you love. But going back to that crucial conversation or those difficult conversations, yeah. instead of telling somebody you're not doing a good job, you've got to change your behavior, it's, how are you doing? Are you happy? Yeah. Would you be happy? Put yourself in, in a place where you're as, the happiest you've ever been, what were you doing? And how can we, how can we harness those characteristics somewhere and put you there. Now all of a sudden you're not sitting across the table having a difficult conversation. I like to literally sit next to that person and be next to them. I'm here to help you get to that vision where you wanna be. How can we do that? And I actually volunteered on a number of occasions to take problem employees out of other organizations within the corporation they had employees that they wanted to get rid of and for whatever reason, they weren't willing to go through the motions of putting them on a performance plan and getting them up to speed or fire them. I love those employees because I could I could sit down with them and find out what was it they really wanted to do. And if the decision was, you know what, what they really want to do and will excel in is not in this corporation, it's a mutual, it's a mutual decision at that point yeah. and you're helping them. And I have had those people come back to me time and again saying, thank you so much. You are the best person. I didn't even really get to work for you more than two weeks. Yeah. But you're the best boss I ever had. Thank you for doing that for me and letting me go to some place that I love.
0: But sometimes people just need, all it needs is a little push and somebody to believe in them. Mm-hmm. Because like, for example, um, with a podcast, like before, like this is like second time we had deep conversations before I even was like, hey, I want you to be a part of my podcast. So I do the same thing with other people too. I mm-hmm. don't just welcome them to the podcast because the uh, the goals have to align with one another. Like this is what I try to get to the audience. This is what you're trying to get from the interview our goals align with one another, great, let's, you know, that's merge and let's work on a project together. But I feel like with workplace, a lot of people sometimes get that job because they have that family that they need, they need that paycheck, they need this, and they forget their life is too short and they forget that those 9 to 5 or those 12 hours, like those 40 hours are the most awakening hours of your life on a week that you spend at a job that you might hate, Like, is the money really worth it? How about you make less and you're happier? And I've seen this happen a lot. So many people
1: stay in jobs they just don't like. It's never going to be a good fit because the money's good. You get tied to the money and you're afraid to do anything. But you know, that's where those informational interviews can really pay dividends. And yeah, like what I do
0: with a guest, that's what I think. Like it's an informational interview. Which people should do that even for jobs. Oh, absolutely. They look at... And like one thing, for example, with my mom, uh, I try to change this is if you'd be like, hey, I applied for this and this, or I did this and this, or my friend got this job. Oh, great. What's the salary? And both me and my brother will look at each other. We're like, that's not the most important point. That's the last thing you do. Like it is important. I'm not going to be a hypocrite here and say money's right. not important. But you have to look at the upward management you have to look at the upward mobility you have to look at like what are the chances of you knowing more people learning more escalating absolutely there's so much more but people get so hung into that money it just and that's what they don't find the wow factor because they might be working at x company that doesn't pay them as good when they can be working at y with the wow factor but pay them
1: and it may also be in their
0: own mind. Even $10 mind. less. like Yeah. It could be in
1: their own mind that the money won't be as good, but you'll find out when you're doing what you really, really love to do, somehow you can work it into much more. And for, for young folks who maybe are interviewing for jobs or whatever, the last thing you want to do is talk about money. Now, I understand that's kind of a qualifying criteria. Do I even want to bother? Yeah. Will I be a... Uh, making hamburgers at McDonald's well maybe not because maybe there you're never gonna make the kind of money that you want to make so figure out what are some other places where you can do what you want to do but you want to learn you you asked or or just stated some really important things when you take a job somewhere it's not just taking a job somewhere it's it's finding a culture that you want to be part of and figuring out how can I add the most value, how can I get the most value out of it? So it's a mutually beneficial situation where I can grow and get yourself into a place where you can see yourself doing different things in this organization. Especially if you ever want to be in senior leadership, you need to understand how the corporation works. So you need to be comfortable doing a lot of different things. It doesn't mean you're all gonna love all those different things, but you need to be able to understand what they are and fit in a lot of spots. So if you take a job in a company where you, this, this one job is the only job I'll ever have and then I'll move on and do something else. Look for organizations that are big enough to let you grow and where there's room enough for you to do different things and do what you love over a long period of time.
0: So, the informational interview, I want to get back to it a little bit. Do yeah. let's say X company, they look really good on the outside. I did research, they're public, their stock looks great, you know, like their reviews on Glassdoor, in, Indeed, everything looks great. Mm-hmm. And I want to try to have that interview. What's the best way to approach this LinkedIn connections mm. to have those informational interviews? Cause you cannot just be like, Hey, I think your company is great, I might apply there, but let's see what you got to offer. Like what did you say it's the best technique of, you know, getting getting that informational interview? So if you know somebody, use your LinkedIn
1: connections to first of all, you've you've targeted company X. Uh-huh. Uh you can go into LinkedIn and see look up that company and you'll see who you have first to second level connections into that company. If you're really lucky, you've got a first level connection into that company. Maybe it's somebody who actually works in the company or it's somebody who is a good friend with someone who is a manager at some level in that company. So the best thing if you can is to get a connection via someone you know well, someone who knows you well and would go to bat for you to and, and is willing to put their own reputation on the line to recommend to that individual, you should meet my friend. My friend, Romina, she's a really bright gal. I think it'll be worth it to you. She'd really like to understand more about this industry. And I've told her that your company is, if you can kind of get them to sell for you and it's really letting them know, We think your company is terrific, and you have a really great reputation. You helped make that company what it is. My friend wants to understand your industry more, and I can't think of anybody who is better able to give her good insights into the industry. So it's usually not, don't necessarily make it about the company. But the industry, to learn more about the industry, and then...
0: But you also just threw multiple compliments their way and their job. So, of course, now they would love to talk to you because you just complimented yep. them. And you are important. Your company is important. Your industry is important.
1: Exactly. Can I
0: learn more? I mean, just
1: think about it yourself. If somebody called you on the phone and said, hey, Romina, you know, you, you work where you work. Um, I have this friend who wants to know more about your industry that you're in, and I don't think there's anybody better than you who is so good at what you do, and you've made your company what it is, or you've, you've played this key role. I mean, aren't you feeling good that you get that phone call? Oh, really? What can I, what can I do to help your
0: friend? Yep. So that goes into techniques of actually getting people to talk. Yep. that's a little bit more.
1: Yeah, so having a warm introduction mm-hmm. is really important. Now yeah. it doesn't mean that you can't just pick up the phone and make a phone call or send an email. And I've done that a time or two where I just don't have a connection. Or yeah. I may back up and go, well, okay, I can't really get into the door with that company right now because I don't have a really good first or second level connection Connection and, there. So in some cases I've had to ask my friend to introduce me to somebody else who could then introduce me to this other person. but. It's using connections that you know, and that's one of the reasons I don't necessarily link into everybody in the world. Yeah. I link into people I know because I like to be able to make those introductions for folks, and you can't make that kind of an introduction if you don't really know the people. other person. Gotcha. So there's a reason to use LinkedIn a little bit more judiciously. But, yeah, it's it's really going in and asking questions and making people feel good about And, and you're not doing it to trying to use them, yeah. that, that's not the point. Um, but to, to just let people know, we, uh, my friend recommended you because she really respects you. She's enjoyed working with you. Well, it's she not about using,
0: hard. it's about connection. And exactly. getting to know more people and everything. You and can and then up, at the end
1: of the day, it's how can we help each other?
0: Yeah, I mean, and you can find out that industry is not for you too, so. It just, you never know. It's yeah. not necessarily using somebody. It's connection after connection. That's how you get to meet awesome people, too.
1: Absolutely. And when you go in the door, you're not looking for a job. You're not saying, hey, would you hire me? I brought my resume with me. No, you are not going to have those conversations. It's just learn about the industry because you know what? It's a two-way street, and you really want to make sure that you are finding an industry or, and a, a company whose culture you're going to feel good about going to every day. Did you want to be part of that.
0: I love this because on another interview, Michael, uh, Michael Allen Tate, he said, ask for an advice, not a job. And then over here in this uh, episode, we're covering ask informational interviews. And this is this are very great techniques of how to land a great job that you're actually going to enjoy a lot more because it might be like them creating a job just for you. Absolutely. You never know, you you don't know who you're meeting and what you bring in the table. Sometimes we don't know how good we are at something and until that's somebody something else that points
1: it out. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of um, folks don't understand, even people that have worked in, in the work world for 20 years may not understand. Every job that's out there got created yeah. somewhere. It didn't always exist. And companies, are often very willing to create something that doesn't exist today because it will allow them to do something that they can't do now
0: because they're looking to
1: improve they're looking to improve too yep. so I, I will honestly tell you that most of the jobs I have had in my career were created for me and most often by me
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> You just have to call it out to the universe and show exactly what you're looking at. Absolutely. I feel like this interview, is really good because we cover some really great plans of, and I've stuff. learned a lot more too. So I hope my listeners learn something new. I say every episode, just one new thing, that's it. Because one plus one plus one equals to a hundred really quick. So, so far guys, you should be by like 40, 40 new <laughs> things. Since since We've the, covered a lot
1: of ground here, haven't we? <laughs>
0: Um, but um, what is besides the book which is actually published today yeah and I'm excited I, I read the book like I said it has some really great informational Thank in you. there I actually used one of the book examples on a discussion huh. that I did uh, for one of the CEOs because I looked him uh, up with the WD40 oh, I looked yeah. him up even more so Gary was, Ridge yes. CEO of WD40 yep so I did a little bit more research and actually conducted a discussion on it too so I was like yes this is awesome excellent <laughs> Um. What is the next project that you're looking forward to?
1: Well, as I mentioned earlier, there was a second book because it started out as, as one book and it yep. became two. So the second book is Heartfelt Leadership. And we really get into some of the more challenging things we've just talked about. How do you have those crucial conversations? How do you handle more difficult things? I also talk a little bit about how did companies, how, why do companies fail? Yeah. So we start out talking about, a wow factor company in the wow factor workplace. I, I very quickly get into companies that were really great and then turned around and took a nosedive. So then how do you recover? Why did that happen? Yeah. What, what goes on to make that happen? So how can you prevent that from happening where you are? And then if you're there at the bottom, how do you pull it back up again? So we get into much more challenging conversations in heartfelt leadership so it's not all really nicey stuff. <laughs> so it's more your master's class in, in leadership and heartfelt leadership so I'm looking forward to that coming out uh, that book is written I've just got to do all the things to get it in in people's hands and published yeah. format and then I've also signed up for book number three what yeah 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 so I'm starting to do interviews already um, for book number three and that one is called women on top okay what's holding you back from executive leadership okay so it's really interesting to
0: i want to read that one yeah yeah
1: there's a lot of women and you know what Do you have a
0: deadline on that one
1: um i don't have a deadline but you know what i want to get it done sooner rather than later and so and and now that i've been through this process a couple of times i i know how to just get in and, and get it done but i that book will be similar in nature to the other two in that i am interviewing other people because i think While my own insights, I think, are wonderful. (laughs) They're more wonderful when I can shore them up with people who are are out there and have done it as well, and people that the rest of the world can relate to because they've heard of them. But one of the things that some of my previewers have told me what they really love is they said, you know, if I sat down, and let's just say it was Colleen Barrett, uh, the President Emeritus from Southwest Airlines, who I adore, I love her, uh, and she's way past retirement now, But they say, you know, if I sat down and I just read a book by the CEO of X company or from her, it might be wonderful and great insights, but I would never really see how I could make the jump from where I am today to that CEO position. And they tell me what you did in this book was... You take, I, I literally take people through my life. Yeah. So you get to be a teenager with me. You get to be a 22-year-old with me. You get to be a 35-year-old with me. And I, I go back and forth throughout the book. But you, you get to be me at, at different ages where I'm thinking just like you. Because I, I was there too. Yeah. So what they say is, it's so relatable because I know, I, I can feel, you, you're feeling what I feel right now. And then you're taking me to how do I get there and that I can do that. I can do that. And so that's what I really wanna do as well yeah. for women on top. Not just interview women who are CEOs of major corporations because I will do that and, I've, and my next interview is gonna be the woman who is a general in the army. Oh, not an easy job for a woman to yeah. do. Um, but how did she get there? But I, I want people to know that okay, wherever you are today, they were there too.
0: I would love to read such a book. Because a lot of people sometimes they like it's the goal, the end goal and everything. But sometimes it's the process and what you learn throughout the process. Like we were talking earlier, like we're talking a little bit offline, guys, um, about like the process of what I've learned from the podcast, interviewing, connecting with so many people. That's so much more important because you build your character and it builds you as a person a lot more than the final status. Absolutely. I would love to read that book.
1: Well, good. I'll try to get it done just as quick as I can. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And
0: then I feel like we can have a lot more to talk about it. I definitely want to read the second book. Once it comes out, you know, sign me up for it. You'll love it. (laughs) And then the third one, um, and what we can do is um, actually I want to offer this to my audience. Um, if you guys would love to learn about the wow factor uh, on a workplace, what I would like you to do is go ahead and put a five-star review below with your Twitter or with your Instagram username, and we will go ahead and get in touch with you and give you a free book.
1: Absolutely. And
0: you're going to end up loving it. Trust me. Um, my very final question, yes, ma'am. as we all know, mm. what is your definition of success?
1: I am so glad that you asked me this question because you know what, this is exactly what we ask the, the people that are in our leadership development program, it's where we start. What does success mean to you? Yep. So to me it's three things and you know we all have our own versions of success, it's, it, no two people are the same and there is no right answer to this so yep. you have to be true to yourself. Um, for me it's not fame or fortune, Yeah, that'll be interesting if it happens. Um, hopefully these books will take me someplace beyond my wildest imagination. But for me, success is living a life without regrets. And we, we talked a little bit offline before we got on, on this uh, podcast about you know, life, life could end today. Yeah, Life could end this afternoon. I could walk out and have a car accident and that's what's over. Nothing is promised. Um, but if, if the doctor were to tell you, you know you've only got six months to live, yeah. or two weeks or two years, whatever it is. I, I like to ask myself those questions every day and measure everything and, and make the decisions of what, how am I gonna spend my hours today that I have because I wanna make sure that I don't think, God, if I had only, if I had only done this, if I had only said I'm sorry to someone, if I had only said thank you so much for what you did for me, was there somebody who did something that changed your life, and they don't even know it. Might have been some little thing they don't even know. Yep. And that's part of the reason I wrote these books. And I talk about people who did change my life in those books, and that's my thank you. But so it's living life without regret, always being a role model, all the time. It's hard to do, but that's your vision. You're trying to always be a role model in everything that you do. And so when somebody doesn't know how to do something, they'll think, oh, how would how would Deb do that? Yeah. I wanna be that person and then inspire others to be the best they can be. And if I can do those three things, at least most of the time, that will be success for me.
0: I love those three points. Thank you. It's it's selfless and it's for a bigger purpose.
1: Absolutely.
0: I love that. Thank you for sharing that, I like that. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely, and then for you guys, if you want to listen to awesome and great episodes, just like this one, You definitely should tune in every Tuesday on RM Podcast FL, on Apples and Spotify, and every other platform out there. And Ms. Deb, anything else that you would like to add before we say bye to the audience for today?
1: I would just like to thank you for having me here today. And it's been such a pleasure getting to know you too. I strongly recommend everybody listen to your podcast every week. You ask great questions, and I think people are going to learn a lot from you.
0: And, like I mentioned in the bio, guys, go ahead and also jump into Ms. Dev's podcast, Heart for Leadership, which I'll go ahead and take along with the information here. And thanks so much, guys, for investing your time towards and Podcast FL. Have a good one.